Hey, yo, and here we go. Another episode of We Talk Music is on the air and in your ear. Once again, I am Martin, and I have with me, he's the king of the casters. He is Mr. Brett Podcasts. And Brett, I think we're going to have one good interview with this member from One Bad Son. Oh, look at you go. But yes, I'm truly excited. I mean, we've been a Canadian band, which we love our Canadian bands. We've been following them for a long time now, and it's great to have them back. We have Kurt Dahl from One Bad Son. Kurt, how are you? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, it's exciting to have you on. I mean, I even have my little bit of uh, of Kurt Dahl right here. So, uh, but you're here to talk about uh, I Come Alive, the new single, which is it's great that you finally got a new single out and and a new album on the way but uh you know uh, tell us first about the new single and how it came around yeah well you're right it's it's a long time coming i mean it's been it's our first single our first new music in six years which kind of seems crazy because it doesn't feel like six years i mean you know two of those years were just lost to the pandemic which was fine but um you know the other like it, it feels like just yesterday we released you know, our last record, which, but that was 2017, which is crazy. Um, And honestly, man, like we, since then we've had a lot of changes, right? Like, you know, during the pandemic, we lost our guitar player, Adam Hicks, and he, he's one of the founding members with Shane and I, and to be totally honest, like we, at the time were like, should we keep the band going? You know, like, and Shane and I had to have some really serious conversations, like, cause you know, we're all big fans of rock and roll bands. Sometimes they keep going, when they shouldn't right and then the music just goes downhill and the vibe is kind of like well what what is like it's not the same band that it used to be right but thankfully that isn't the case for us i mean we had some real conversations and sat down and like is the magic still there that, i guess that's always been the test for us is that magic still there and we said this from day one if the magic is no longer there then we hang it up you know and i think some great bands over the years have, have done that right when when john bonham died led zeppelin was done right and and that's that was such a good call when keith moon died the who kept going with the new drummer and they sucked you know and <laughs> i think i think pete townsend regrets that so for us it was like is the magic still there and so the test was we got together and started writing songs and with a killer guitar player tara which we can get into that in a minute and then our bass player ryan cooley and like the energy just like literally bounced off the walls and we had smiles on our faces and felt like, you know, kids playing for the first time. So I was like, holy shit, the energy is very much there, you know, and the magic is very much there. So um, anyways, that's a long sort of precursor to I Come Alive, which sort of summarizes that whole experience. You know, it's like we're so effing grateful to be still doing this 19 years in. and it's sort of like we as a band are sort of coming alive again, you know, after five, six years of sort of being dormant, you know, like Shane and I have always kept in touch and have thrown ideas back and forth, but that's a very different thing than like actively pursuing it as a band, right? You got to really dive, you know, sort of head first into it if you want to really do it. So I come alive. I mean, it's just, I, I, it's got this great energy. I feel like it's in the vein of everything OBS that's come before, but also, taking in a new direction in a good way. So that's always the test for me, like with, with the bands I love, whether it be like, you know, Pearl Jam or the Rolling Stones, when they release the music, you want it to be similar to the old stuff, but not ripping off the old stuff, right? Cause then it's just, <laughs> you're just retreading 
the same old stuff, right? And I think that's what I come alive. Like it's it's you know got classic you know Shane you know awesome vocals. I, I'm giving it my best. Like John Bonham meets uh, kind of like I got a bit of Stone Temple Pilots vibe on the drums, and it's so it's that that mix of like sort of '90s grunge which we love, but kind of with '70s rock. And then I feel like it takes it somewhere new. So, anyways, yeah, that's a, I'm, I'm babbling on, but that's I'm really excited about the song. <laughs> well, that's okay. We love it when you babble on. I mean, it makes our job so much easier. <laughs> but, uh, so then, what's your writing process like? I mean, so it's you and Shane, obviously mostly, but like, how do you kind of like write the music, write the lyrics, and kind of break it all down? Yeah, and how's it change? Yeah, great question. You know, honestly, I think even from day one, like even our early records, which now it's like crazy. Our first record was like 2005 or something. Um, it always starts with a riff, like a guitar riff, you know, or sometimes I'll come with a beat and then the beat creates the riff. But it's often like I, I love playing off a wicked guitar riff, you know, so I come alive with similar. I mean, Shane had this bass idea and then Tara kind of turned it into a cool riff. Um, and it kind of reminded me of like, yeah, again, just kind of 90s rock that I loved. And I was like, what if I lay down like a sort of a, it reminded me, or I got inspired to do sort of like the Vaseline riff, uh, drum beat by um, Stone Temple Pilots. So I kind of did that, but but switched it up, made it my own. Kind of like that, that loop sort of beat, you know? Um, and then, so yeah, it starts with the guitar, then drums. Usually Shane throws down some like mumbo jumbo melodies, like that don't make sense. Like lyrically, they don't make sense. Um, at least they don't make sense to me. <laughs> Maybe they make sense to him. Um, but it's just more just the spirit, it is the vibe of the vocal. And then from there, we just hone the song, hone the song. And the lyrics typically come last, right? Lyrics, a lot of times we work on them. It's mostly Shane, but he often throws ideas off me and vice versa. But it's like the lyrics sort of, once you get the feeling of the music, that sort of tells us and Shane, like what, what the lyrics should be about, you know? And, um, I think some of it too, that I come alive, it's sort of like coming out of the pandemic too. I mean, what a crazy time that was, you know, it's almost like, it's almost too soon to be, be able to look back with some distance, but like, what a crazy time, you know, and, um, you know, a lot of bad things, you know, a lot of sort of negative things in the pandemic, but also I think a lot of positive things, right? Like knowing what really matters in one's life and living for the moment, living for today, um, being grateful and humble, all these things, right? So I think that sort of is captured. And for me, it's like every time we go on stage, I, I think I've always been a very grateful person. And I think that's probably why I'm one of the reasons I'm a happy uh, person. You know, it's like, I don't take anything for granted. You know, it's like the fact that, but now, I mean, the fact we've done it for 19 years, when I get on stage and I know Shane's the same, it's just like, that's why I've always got this massive grin on my face. I'm like, this is amazing. You know, we get to do this and you know, we, we, we've had to sort of work for every, you know, opportunity we've got. Like, no one's handed us things over the years. We've had to really fight for every fan and every success. And it took us a lot of years to get that success, right? It took us eight years before anyone knew who we were. That's when we had our first hit was eight years in. So because that, it sort of creates this natural humility, right? So now when you take the stage, it's just like, it's it's a real gift, you know, and um I mean, it's rock and roll. I mean, to me, there is no, there is no thing more powerful than rock and roll and I get to play it, you know, and what a gift, you know what I mean? 
So then, you know, why don't you tell us about Tara and how she came to be a member of the band? Yeah, and so Tara, I mean, so she's a member, like, you know, I mean, essentially, we haven't played any shows with her yet because she's so busy with other projects. So, you know, she's like a member of our, like, the recording arm of OBS, and I hope we get to do sh- live shows with her too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically, once once our once Adam left the band, like, we want a great guitar player. And I had just been sort of following her on Instagram with through Nice Horse. And I was like, Tara, like this girl Tara is like amazing. Why don't we reach out and see what you think and, and see what she thinks? And Shane's like, I love the idea. So it just I reached out, we had a phone call and just like hit it off. And <clears throat> yeah, I mean she's like she's just incredibly talented and you know, a, a great friend. And yeah, so it's it was sort of this. You know, I think the key for any band, especially a rock band, is like it's all about the dynamic between the members, right? And when the four of us, along with Ryan Cooley, who's just like the most fun, chill, you know, nice bass player in the world, like the four of us get together and it's just like the songs come naturally, you know, I think that's important, right? I've had situations where we, you know, in previous years in the band where songs didn't come naturally right and that's where it's you got to really work hard to try to make music happen and that's tough right because you're it's it's work writing songs is work but it also should be just the best feeling in the world and sometimes it's not right with with these four members it's like it it makes writing music and recording it like super fun and enjoyable and that's that's when the magic happens you know was this the first riff for her i I come alive. Was it the first riff she did, or you or we had? Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like one of the first songs we did. Um, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was the first song. So it, it's actually cool that it was. It's the first single. It just something about it, you know. And and then that chorus riff kicks in, and it's just I'm super excited to hear what people think because to me, I mean, the big test is like, does it make me as a rock fan just want to rock out, you know? And the answer is yes. So I think I can try to be objective and be like, if I heard this on the radio, what would I think? And the answer for me is like, I'd love it, you know? Well, I, I can honestly say it's one of my two favorite songs that you guys have. Oh, um, nice. I love, Retribution, I love Retribution Blues. I think that's a great song. And then I love this one. And this, so, you know, they're like my top two songs from the band. And, and I like the way it builds, you know, towards the end. The energy just keeps ramping up, and by the end, it's just franking. Like I love it; it's a really good tune. You, I think you're gonna have a lot of success with it. That means a lot, man. Like honestly, especially from a, a fan. Like you know, to me, blues is probably our biggest song live. You know, like it's the song that gets the biggest reaction. So, and I love that song too. It's like, you know, I feel like I've played it for so long now. I'm sort of, I can look at it objectively. Like I can. It's like I don't look at it as even something that I wrote. It's like it's more of its own entity, you know? Um, and I just, lo- I love it for that reason, right? Cause every time we play it, it's like people go nuts. And that song is fun. Cause it kind of wrote itself too. Like it, the, I feel like our biggest songs are songs that take five minutes to write, you know? <laughs> and then the songs that become great B sides or album cuts take us like four months to write, you know? <laughs> um, and that's the magic people, you know, that's what Keith Richards talks about. It's like, he doesn't write the songs. He just, he's got a better antenna than everyone else to pick up the things that are floating in, in the universe, you know, and 
we're lucky when our antennas are really working. We have heard that so many times, uh, both the antenna and the the like five minutes, you know, like th that those songs are kind of the ones that usually hit the biggest and fastest just because uh, there is a magic there, right? Well, I heard, like I read this about uh, Blind Melon, you know, their big hit, No Rain, of course, like one of the biggest songs of the 90s, right? And, and what a great song. And they didn't, it was like the fourth single they released from that record. Like they didn't think it was a hit. The label didn't think it was a hit management didn't think it was a hit but by like midway into this like north american tour every fan was singing along to that song live and they're like oh i guess it's a hit and they and they it took them like five minutes to write and record and they thought it was just like too simple and whatever but it hits you over the head if the fan if, if you don't figure it out someone will figure it out for you this is an effing hit you know <laughs> but yeah like well yeah. having the person in the the bumblebee outfit i think that <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it. It. yeah, it does exactly. make a difference. <laughs> but it made a huge difference in that song. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, one of the things like for me about I Come Alive, and it and it is like it's the drumming that that totally gets me oh, because right. when I'm listening to to songs, there's I always want something to stand out. And for me, in in I Come Alive, like the drumming stands out to me right away, like above all else. So I mean, you know, props to you in that regard. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's such an awesome song, and I think and I think it'll be amazing to hear live. Yeah, thank you, man. It means a lot. And like honestly, I don't take that kind of comment for granted because I just um, you know I'm a, I'm a I feel like with, when the right song hits me, you know, I just get so inspired to, you know, write a cool drum beat. And this one is one of the songs. And yeah, it's, it's honestly like one of my favorite songs to play live right now. Now you mentioned earlier about uh, about Tara, like you know, and just and just whether she could join you. So I mean, you've got the new shows coming out, uh, and we're certainly looking forward to those. But who's going to be playing guitar on on the band with the band? Great question. So I think Reed. And he Reed Shimo has been like an amazing guitar player oh, from Calgary. Uh, love he, him. Yeah, you probably know Reed. So he's confirmed for November shows. Um, we're trying to see if we get both of them for the two December shows. Those are in Saskatchewan, so you guys may have to road trip. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know, um, like usually we just do one of the two. But yeah, I think November. I think Tara's busy, uh, you know, on tour and stuff. So it's one of those things. Like, and I get it. You know, from a fan standpoint, it's maybe a bit confusing, but like, you know, every show it's going to be Shane and I and Ryan, and then we've got sort of one or two or three possible guitar players, you know, it's, so it's, they're sort of, they're all, they're not in the band, but they're our hired guns and they're also our close friends. And it just depends who's available, you know, and, but I'm confident like whoever it is, you guys will be blown away because both those two are amazing. And if we need a third one, they'll be amazing too, but it'll be Reed or Tara, I think is, is the short answer. Awesome. Well, I mean, there's no question. I mean, we've been following Reed for, you know, 30 odd years. So, I mean, yeah, I mean we know his work. I mean, he's awesome. Yeah, he's he's great. He's he's a great player. So, yeah, I mean, I mean it's going back as far as uh, Smash LA and the days of the live wire here in Calgary for us. With Reed. Yeah, awesome. Well, you guys have been in that. You guys have been rockers for a long time. I like it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, we're old. We're old. Yeah. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> but you know it's five dates you got go, coming up here then is there kind of is it kind of okay let's see how these go and go from there and pick up some more or what's the yeah what's kind of the game plan exactly like we want to do a lot more um we want to get out 
out east too. Like to be honest, we haven't played Toronto in so long. You know, we've done more Western dates as you guys probably seen over the last, like you know, since the pandemic. Oh, you know, closed, closed down. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, so we've done more Western dates. It's just close for us, right? Shane's in Calgary. I'm here. Reed and Tara in Calgary. So West has been easier, but we, we got to, you know, we, we got fans in Ontario that are just like, come on guys. Like we, we got huge demand here. So I think in the new year, and you're right. I think a lot of it's, you know, let's see how this singles received, right? I mean, we've been lucky over the years that we've been had a great success at radio. And I hope that this single slays at radio because, you know, as much as the, you know, the world's changing, people still find new rock and roll on, on rock radio. Um, and I hope we get, you know, tons of streams and, and satellite plays, all that stuff. So I guess it's sort of a chicken and egg thing. Like let's see how the single does, but also maybe the touring is going to help push it more. So long story short, we got a lot more dates coming on the pipe for sure. What is rock radio like in Canada then right now? Yeah, good question. I don't really know. I mean, we'll find <laughs> out, I guess, when they get the single out. But, you know, it's sort of um, what I do know, and, and this is just my sense of it, is that it's a lot more consolidated than it once was. So it's like they hire these consultants that will say, okay, we're going to play this song now, and it's going to be on all the five stations that are owned by the same company, whatever. So I, I do think, and then not to crap on on radio, I think it's just <laughs> – it's a lot more consolidated. So the days of like the DJ being able to pick what songs they play, that that's those days are long gone, right? Um, but in the same breath, we're lucky that we've got so many close friends at radio, whether it be DJs or program directors or music directors. So that's what being in this industry for 19 years uh, affords us is those close relationships, right? So my hope is that radio is going to say, holy, this song is killer. OBS is back. I mean, that's, for me, that's what I'm telling everyone. OBS is back, baby. Um, and I mean that, right? Like, it's, I'm sure people are like, I wonder if OBS is ever going to come back. We've answered that question. We're back in full force. And I hope that, you know, I hope radio feels the same because I'm just super proud of the song, you know? Uh, you know, one of the things I want to know, like, just, just a couple, like, it's a kind of a two-part question. Like, coming out of Saskatchewan originally, like, I mean, Saskatchewan is known for its rabid fan bases, especially when it comes to like the Rough Riders and stuff like that. Like, you know, what's it like playing there? Well, I guess I'd say this to all these artists in Saskatchewan. The first thing is like, you got to get out of Saskatchewan, which that's not a diss to Sask, but you know, no one's going to discover you in Regina or Sastoon or Moose Jaw, right? Like you got to get, you got to get on tour, get to the bigger centers. I would arguably say, say the same to someone from Calgary. It's like, you got to get to Vancouver and Toronto to get in front of people uh, and even more so Toronto than Vancouver. Like if you're a young band, you got to get to Toronto and that's just the nature of the industry. I mean, it's that whole Toronto mindset that, you know, there's Toronto and the rest of the country and the rest of the country. The universe? Yeah, well, exactly. Right. It's true. Right. Like all the major labels or indie labels, or I shouldn't say all, but most of them, most of the booking agents, most of the managers, they're there. So, that's not a bad thing. It's just, it is what it is. So for us, we had to, in order to get an agent interested in us, in order to get a manager, we had to go play Toronto a ton, you know? And um, so we did that. And then we went there. The good thing and to your question, Brett, like it helped us in a lot of ways. We took us years in Sastu and maybe you can blame the minus 40 winters or whatever, but we just 
work so hard on our sound kind of in a bubble, right? Like no one else, if we were in Calgary or Vancouver where there's like better scenes, we probably would have been more influenced by a scene, but we didn't in Saskatoon. We were just like, we weren't even really part of the scene here. We just sort of, well, as you guys may know, we had the OBS house. Like we all lived in a house together for like two or three years. I think it was the most, you know, I never did so many dishes for other people. <laughs> um, I won't do that again, but um, you know, it was like, and it was this broken down house. It was like so old, but big and just like, it should have been um, like knocked down. And now it has been knocked down. It was like, it wasn't to code, but um, we jammed every day for like four hours, like pro probably four hours every single day. And so middle of the winter, minus 40, we're jamming every day. And eventually we found our sound, you know? And so again, if we were in downtown Toronto, we probably would have been influenced by other sounds or whatever, but we weren't, we were just in Saskatchewan doing our thing. And I, I think the end result was, you know, if I can speak sort of with a bit of self-awareness, like I think what OBS, I think what our fans like is that we don't really sound like other bands. I mean, we have influences of course, but in Canada, like who do we sound like? I don't think a lot of other bands and I, I'm proud of that, you know, um, part of it's because we lived in a house and we were isolated and didn't know what was hip or cool right like we've never really chased any trends because i don't know what's trendy i mean like i just know what rock and roll i like and eventually so if we try to emulate led zeppelin meets alice in chains which we've done many times you still you put it through our lens and it comes out as something original right like so but it's not we're not trying to chase any trends like that that never works you know mm -hmm. So then the second part of my question is comes down to like being a Canadian band, like, like what's that like? I mean, we know, we know what American bands are like. I mean, they're big, but like being a Canadian band and then being accepted by Canada, you know, is, is there something to that? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, I feel like there was a, a point in our career where we really tried to break in the U S you know, and um, cause we just felt from day one, like we wanted to be the biggest band in the world. And, you know, we didn't really have a Canadian, whatever that means, like a Canadian sound, you know, like, um, so we wanted to break in the U.S. I feel like we had sort of had a sound maybe that's more U.S.-ish, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's A, it's not easy to break in the U.S. Like it takes a ton of investment. You've got to have a bigger label that's kind of putting up money to help you get on these tours and pay for opening slots and all that sort of stuff. We didn't really have that, but we did, we did a major tour, as you guys probably know, with Sebastian Bach in the U S and that was like every market in the U S except for the West coast and made a ton of U S fans. Like it confirmed that what I always thought is that our sound would work well in the U S and then, so we started to get some momentum. We still get messages every day or comments that like, come down, come back to Georgia or come back to Florida, whatever. <laughs> um, and then the pandemic hit, like soon after the Bach tour, the pandemic hit. So that stopped that. Um, so I think, you know, it's the short answer to your question is it's hard to break in the U.S. as a Canadian band. You know, for every Nickelback, there's thousands of Canadian bands that just never break. I mean, look at the Tragedy Hip, like one of my favorite bands of all time. How did they never break in the U.S.? Like, like how do songs that are so catchy and just like you undeniably hits? Um, how do they never break in the U.S.? I mean, it's like, it's sort of that thing that if you don't, a lot of it is for the hip or for any band, it's like, 
it has to, you have to have the right label management and then timing, right? You, and then you have to also leave your family a ton if you if you're a family man and try go from making say you're making ten grand in Canada, go to you go to making one grand in America, and it's like who wants to do that, right? It's 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 tougher on the the pocketbook. So a lot of bands are like, well, I'll just keep making, you know, or for, let's say it's the hip, they're making way more than that, but and and then the decrease is even more significant they'll just keep doing the Canadian thing, you know, while they were still uh, going concerned, you know? So anyways, yeah, I, I think for us, I think our songs, who knows these new songs, they, they might break in the U S who knows, but I mean, we don't like, I'm not sitting around waiting for it to happen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of something that's difficult to control, isn't it? I mean, I, I remember in, uh, I think it was the year 2000 or 99, somewhere around there, Dan Aykroyd hosted Saturday Night Live and he demanded he gets to bring a Canadian band on. And they brought on the Tragically Hip. And so then they played, you know, uh, New Orleans is Sinking. I can't remember what the other song is they played. It. Oh, wow. But I remember thinking to myself, okay, now they're getting the exposure they finally needed. They're going to hit huge and nothing. And it's like, you just you just can't know. I mean, it's it's this weird secret sauce to being a, making a hit song that that you can't you know, you can't quite put your finger on to what it is that's going to translate. It's so true. And you're right. And they played Grace, too, I think, because he opened up with the lyric. Like, okay. My name yeah. is Tragically exactly. Hip. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But you're right. How could they? Yeah, it's it's a, like, I don't, I mean, these days, I think maybe if, if you were to ask me like seven years ago, like, do you want to break in the U.S.? Like, that was our number one goal, right? Like, we just felt Canada was, was great to us, but we weren't like, getting Juno nominations and that we still have never got one. So it's like, we're not the most, we don't really fit into the whatever in Canada, but we thought let's break in the U S and realize like there's a million different factors in it. So it, it's not something that I stress about anymore, but if it does happen, great. I mean, um, but you're right. It's, you realize that a lot of things have to, it's sort of fall into place at the right time, you know? Well, and, and you are one of those go-to bands, I mean, for great acts that kind of come through Canada when they're doing that Western Canadian leg. So how does how does that come about even? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're lucky. And then, you know, it helps our numbers, like in terms of radio and even like, you know, I guess, yeah, I mean, like our numbers at radio and then other opening slots we've done sort of leads to new ones, right? But I, I remember the first time we toured arenas opening for Def Leppard, we got the call and it's, it's funny because I was just it was before I had kids, but I had just been gone from my wife for like a month, you know, and, and that was hard. Like it's hard on anyone. Right. Like, and we got home and I was like, I'd been home for a day. So like I'd been home for 24 hours and we literally got the call from our agent. He's like, you guys are going on tour of arenas with, with Def, Def Leppard. And I was like, it was like the best feeling ever. And I was also <laughs> like, yeah, also I was like, Oh crap. I got to explain this to my wife, you know, um, <laughs> but it's, that's, that's the biz. Like you could never, that, that's the thing I think people don't often talk about. is like all the sacrifice that it takes to, to be in a successful band, right? Like anytime I look at other bands that like our, our com competition, whether it be like say the glorious sons or, or whoever, and I see the success they have on, uh, that's bigger than us in that example, I have nothing but respect because I know that, People only see the success. They don't see all the sacrifice and hard work, right? Like when those guys are on tour eight months of the year, think about like, you know, they're away from the people they love. They're away from just a normal life. And 
you got to respect that, right? Like they earn, they earn that spot and they earn that success. And, um, and I feel the same about us on a, on a smaller scale compared to those guys. But like every success we had when we first got our first number one with Raging Bull, like we had been touring like crazy nonstop to that point. And then to get to number one, we, you know, planned a tour, a national tour. So we were gone for like a month and a half, hitting every radio market, hitting every radio station at seven in the morning, you know, after three hours sleep, because we played till two and what, you know, it's like, you don't even factor in the partying. Like we, we would, didn't have time to party. We were working so hard. Right. Um, and then finally, after all that hard work and you build it up, build it up, build it up. And then we got to number one. So I always, um, I just, any success that we've had, like, I feel like we really earned it, you know, and uh, that's something I'm, I'm proud of. Like no one can take that away from us. You know, like we, we did it and somehow we're still doing it 19 years in. It's like, it's um, it's something I, I'm I'm really proud of. Well, and I think that's it. Go ahead, Brett. I was just going to say, especially in Canada, because I mean, it's such a large country that it's so much harder to to traverse than just you know the U.S., where you can hit like the East Coast and and it's all bundled together. I mean, you know, here it's just massive, and and so yes, I mean, to be able to do it and to be able to do it consistently for that long, like absolutely, my hats off to you. I appreciate that. Quick, a uh, quick excerpt. Um, we opened for Crash Karma like years ago, and you, you guys remember those guys like uh, Edwin, you know, and uh, Jeff from the Tea Party on drums, and um, Mike Turner from Our Lady Peace on guitar. So a big open, like, well, not big, but but a, a solid opening slot, you know. And let's do a national tour, and we just had a single out, so like, let's do it. But so they're in Toronto, we're in Vancouver. So the tour starts in Toronto in their home. So we drive across Van to Toronto. So we're across the country once. The tour goes from Toronto to Vancouver. So like coast to coast. So now we're going we've gone the, the full distance back to Vancouver. So that's twice. And then it sort of had a few more dates to get us, to get them home back to Toronto. So now we've done it three lengths of the country. So now we, the tour ends in Toronto. We have to get home. So we delivered four lengths. Of the, I mean, <laughs> not the full length to the East Coast, but... Vancouver to Toronto did that, that length four times on this bloody tour. And you're right. Like no American band could ever have handled that. Right. Like they, you know, <laughs> and, and we did it, you know, crash karma. They were in a bus cause that's, they were just accustomed to that level of touring. We didn't have the money to do a bus. So we're in the back in a van and trailer. So it was like the toughest tour we've ever done in our lives. I remember it was like minus 30 for a good chunk of it. We just did it. I don't think I could do it again these days. You know, like I'm too old for that shit, but um, <laughs> did it. And no one could take that away from us, man. And it got us like our first top three or whatever it was, you know. And you hear about those tours sometimes, those Canadian death tours, you know, you're hitting the small cities in like Northern Saskatchewan and Alberta and minus 30 and driving, <laughs> you know, hoping that, you know, skid out. And it's like, it's, it's, it's a sacrifice to make it, you know, get out there and, and get it done for sure. I, I remember the uh, quote from uh, singer Janie Lane. He said, uh, playing on the stage, that's fun. The other 23 hours of the day, that's the job. That's work. It's so true. And, and unless you've done it, you have no clue. And I, I think and a lot of fans probably don't think about that unless, I mean, you guys would know about this because you're, you know, you're 
well connected to the industry, but your average fan, just all they see is the hour and like, yeah, it's great. You know? Um, and that's okay. You know, they don't need to know about that, but those that are understand the sort of the inside of the industry know, yeah, like what it takes. Right. And, um, it builds character. I'll say that, you know? <laughs> and then does it bring you together more as a band? I mean, I just, I just remember like Guns N' Roses, the story about Guns N' Roses, like going to do a tour early in Seattle. And I mean, the van, the, you know, van broke down. They had to like lug their instruments with them and stuff like that. But it, it formed them truly into, you know, what they became. So is that kind of how it is with you when you do something like, like that Toronto tour, you know? hundred percent. Like, I think it, it makes you closest brothers and, and that can make you closer or the opposite, right? Depends. Right. Um, I would say going on tour or going on the road, it doesn't build character. It reveals character, you know? And thankfully, I mean, for Shane and I, for example, like the character that the characters that it's revealed, uh, we both really love, you know, we're, we're, we're bros. Right. So, but it's not always the case. I mean, somebody reveals character in someone in your band, you're like, ooh, I didn't want to see that, you know? Um, <laughs> but I think if you're lucky, it makes you closer. And I think for many years, we were like, we were as close as brothers. And sometimes you fight like brothers. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's the four of you against the world. It feels like it's your little four-man army, you know? So when you go to hit the stage or if someone's effing with you or whatever, it's like... They're messing with the four of you, right? So it's like a gang. So um, I think that's it's a bond that is like unlike anything else. People joke that it's like being married to three people. I'm like, no, it's not. Um, it's it's so different. Like being in a band is there's no other relationship like it, right? And it's not like being married. It's just it's it's the, the band of brothers or or sisters, you know, whatever. But you know, it's um, it's something special that only people who've been in bands for a long time really get, you know. Brings us back to I Come Alive, right? And kind of the message of that whole thing. Totally. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, then, we'll go ahead, Brett. Well, I was going to ask, like, you talked about a brand of brothers and then brand of, band of brothers and sisters, but, like, you know, what is it like when you wind up having a, a woman in the band now? Does that kind of change dynamics in any way? No, not really. I mean... I, I think, you know, obviously you want to be respectful of, you know, if we, if we're playing on a tour, you know, we'll get an extra hotel room. Like we're not going to, you know, <laughs> like give, give Tara her own room or whatever. Right. Like, um, but you know, no, I mean, it doesn't, I think maybe there's something to be said for just like the energy of male, female vibes, whatever it is. I mean, I, I don't know, but the, the energy and the vibe with having Tara in the group is, is, just better and it's great you know so um yeah i mean i don't know how to explain it but it's a great vibe you know have to cut back on the fart jokes at all is that the... exactly well you yeah, were not big on those anyway so we're good i think you know oh okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now is there like i mean we've also heard a lot about a lot of stories about like pranks and stuff like that that bands uh, play on the road is that kind of something that one bad son gets into every now and then you know, every now and then, I mean, um, I think we did that more in the early days, but not that we're, you know, we'll still do it now, but like, I remember, and this is really early on because, because now it's like, I don't want to say we're more professional, but I think it's probably, we are, but um, back in the early days, like I remember with one of our, like 
OBS has gone through many bass players over the years, you know, and I mean, although Granny was was with us for like a decade and then, and Cooley's been with us for, you know, three or four years now. And, but before that we had, it's like the spinal tap thing, but with bass players, you know, and so we had one guy. Spontaneously combusted? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a couple did, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so one guy, we were playing, um, oh, what's the really windy city, like sort of in southern Alberta by Lethbridge, but further further west. Medicine Hat or? Well, further west. Further um, west. Um, oh, uh, Pincher Creek? Oh, Pincher Creek, yep. Pincher Creek. Yeah, it's like, the, it's like the windiest city in North America or something. People have migraines, like, all the time because of the wind. But anyways, we're staying in this hotel, playing like playing the bar, like and staying at the hotel above the bar. And you know, the the owner of the hotel, before we go, she gives us the room key. She's like, um, just so you know, like the one the one room we did have someone die in the bed. <laughs> I got again I was sharing this. Um, uh, someone died in the bed because they also like it's a bar, but they rent out the hotels like long term. So it's probably people that aren't doing that 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 great. So this person died in the bed and, you know, it had been a couple of weeks before he, he was found, which is really sad. Of course. Um, I like to think he just, he was like, he died of natural causes or something, but anyways, so she's like, I'm sorry, but like, we totally, we cleaned the room of course and whatever. I don't think they changed the mattress. It's, it's probably the same mattress. I don't know. But so of course we give that room to the new bass player because you know, you have to, <laughs> you have to hang it a bit. Right. And so, well, we didn't tell if we told him ahead of time, he would have freaked out and not done it. So we told him as we're leaving the venue, like just to give you a heads up that the bed you're sleeping in, someone had died in like a few months before. <laughs> and um, and I I think I remember I do recall I think they actually bought a new mattress, so it wasn't even the same. I think I would have felt too guilty if it was like the same mattress. But so that's one minor hazing. That we had a bass player sleep in a dead guy's bed, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's it's hilarious when when you put it like this. But yes, I can see I can see how there, there's there's some morbidity to that <laughs> to that. And I think I think he may have been afraid of ghosts and that kind of stuff, so that didn't help, you know. But um, <laughs> oh, dead guy's bed. That sounds like a good title for a song. I like, you know? That's a that's an album title right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That guy's bad from one bad song. I like it. <laughs> so how different then, like, or how, how, I guess, similar is, like, I Come Alive to the rest of the stuff that you're writing for the new album? You know, honestly, and, like, you know, it's, it feel, you know, it all fit, it works together, but the other three songs, to me, are so different. You know, like, um, one of the songs is kind of, like, in the vein of kind of Retribution Blues, like, but, like, but not, like, it's, just has a bluesy element, you know, like, which I think we haven't done a lot of songs in that vein, but when we do, I think they work, you know, it's sort of when OBS leans more towards that sort of, you know, like, I don't know, Black Crows or like even Rolling Stones, kind of like a bit more blues. That's what this one song I'm talking about. It's called Too Young to Burn. It reminds me of like Stone, like early Stones, but with like this, with the heavy guitar of like uh, Black Crows. So, that's like perhaps my favorite um but they also have the um this song called sister renegade which is kind of like it's almost in the vein of like royal blood with like a big bass line almost like fuzzed out bass and kind of like these ominous guitars so yeah i mean honestly and then 
Yeah. So they, it's all like they're, they're, they all work together. Like they're not just like, what band is this? You know, it's all OBS. They all work together, but they're all so different. So um, I'm excited for you guys to hear the other songs. Like I do, I'll put, I'll say this. When we sort of reached out to all of our team and, and different radio friends, I sent them the four songs. The unanimous pick was I Come Alive, but every other song was picked as well as like the hit. So to me, I was like, great. That's a great problem. And then I was like, shit, how am I going to pick the first single? You know, so, <laughs> like, so I do like, I mean, again, I try to be objective as hell, but like, I think all four could be, could be hits. You know, I mean, I don't care. I mean, hits I'm using my quotation marks in the air here. Like, I mean, hits with our fans, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and maybe hits in other form, radio, whatever, but more importantly, like just hits with our fans. That's what matters. The rest of the stuff falls from that, right? Like, and hits with me in my mind and in my heart and same with Shane. Like if, if we love the songs, that's what really matters. Cause <clears throat> we've had songs that failed miserably at radio and we're like, well, at least we, we love the songs and radio, <laughs> you know? Um, and then we've had songs where I'm like, I don't think it's going to be a hit. And then it was right. So there you go. Uh, all you can really do is make yourself happy. And then hopefully the, the fans follow and then everything else is just, you know icing on top right mm-hmm. yeah yeah because i guess i guess that's what you kind of need to do you kind of need especially at your in your stage of your career is to is to kind of keep the fans happy and then know that the potential to grow the fan base is there but but like you know keep those hardcore fans supporting you well and i honestly i think first and foremost we you gotta make we gotta make us happy right because some bands i think make the mistake of trying to write songs they think their fans are going to like. And I think that's a dangerous thing, right? Cause you, then you, you know, it sort of kills the artistic thing, right? Like if you're just trying to replicate your old stuff, that's like the, the death knoll for, for, for many bands. Right. So we didn't do that. So make us happy and then realize, okay, if I like, I think I've got similar tastes to our fans, you know? So um, if I love it, then our fans are going to love it. I think so. All right, well, we'll let you go real soon, but I do want to know, like, here, I mean, we talked about them earlier, the Rolling Stones. What do you think of their new single? Oh, uh, Angry. Angry, yep. I like it. You know, like, it just came on, like, an hour ago. You know, I was like, I, I dig it. Is it, for me, like, cause I'm a big Stones fan. I've got every record, and I love the 60s, 70s stuff. Like, that's, you know, to me, the mm-hmm. ultimate. We obviously opened for them, you know, in 2018, and it was amazing one of our, one of my career highlights. Um, I, would I put angry in the top 10 stone songs for me? No, but that's, that's hard, right? Like, because they have so many, you know, world or genre defying or rock and roll defying songs. Right. So is it top 10? No, probably not even top 20 all time stone songs for me, but also they're how old 80 or whatever they are. 80. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's so when you that in mind, I love it. It's got the space, like so many bands don't leave a lot of space in their songs, but it's all space. Like, dan, 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 dan. you know, like that's what Keith and Mick are great as giving each other that space. So overall, I love it. Like, I think it's, it's fun. I crank it up when it comes on. Um, who knows if I'll be cranking it in two or three years, but that's, it's okay. It's, it's also what a gift to just have new music from the stones. Right. Oh, turn that off. 
Well, absolutely. I mean, and it's crazy to think, I mean, that, that this is like, holy crap. But that's the, when, when you do mention like top 10, top 20, I mean, it could be top 50 and still be an amazing, amazing song that, uh, you know, because they've done that many songs. Well, yeah, exactly. What, what do you guys think? Are you fans? I, I do I, like I, it. I like, song. I like it quite a bit. I like, I mean, my my thing was okay. A new new stone song is it going to bring the energy? The energy's there. As long as they're bringing the energy, yeah. I'm into it. I'm going to groove to it. You know. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's that ma- like they you know again we're talking about the magic earlier. I'm guessing they're the same. Like if the magic's there, great. If not, we'll we'll hang it up. But yeah, it's it's got that thing that the thing the Stones have, which I mean I do think they're the greatest rock and roll band of all time, in, in my opinion. Um, like I love Zeppelin and the Who and the Beatles, but obviously. They all lasted like this long compared to compared to the Stones, mm-hmm. and they something about it. it's just like that combination of blues and rock, and and then of course Mick is just the ultimate frontman, and Keith is just the ultimate guitar player, and yeah, it's that, that energy that someone else could release a, a song like that that wouldn't have the same energy, but they release yeah. it. It's like yeah, it makes you want to dance, you know. At eighty years old, that energy is still there. I know, it gives it's- me hope. It's it's <laughs> insanity, right? It's like, like he's he's older than he's older than like Biden and Trump, isn't he? Um, oh, I think at least Trump. Oh, at least Trump. Yes, I I think it's like, like same age as Biden. And- all around the same age, and it's like and Mitch McConnell, like they're all like and mix out killing it as a rock star and like yeah. best in such good shape, and the rest of those guys are like. They seem and in like, the music video, he's still moving. He's still grooving, and you're like, <laughs> I don't know how he's doing it. It's amazing. It's amazing. I Meanwhile, I love sitting down. I don't know about you. It's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, he moves but way we better. We're going to give you a chance to, to promote here. We want everybody to know where he can keep up with you and uh, find the latest single. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's it's really great stuff. Like I said, I think you can have a lot of success. So please tell everybody where they can keep up with you. Yeah, well, that's I guess we stoked because, I mean, this is the first video interview I've done for the single, and um, you know, since the first time I'm hearing that, so it means a lot, you guys. Like honestly, because I know you guys have, you know, you're hardcore rock fans for years, and I know you've been following us for years, so it means we a lot hear a lot of music compared to most people. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is good stuff. We're telling you, it's good stuff. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I'm so excited. So, I mean, yeah, just follow One Bad Son on Instagram and on TikTok and facebook and you know we'll be yeah single comes out friday so um you know that's it's like request i mean if you wherever you are like request it on your local station that still helps um and most importantly just crank the song like if it if it connects with you on any level just hit us up message us on instagram whatever and uh onebadson.com just hit the website for tickets and merchandise whatever and let's uh I'm excited to hear everyone's thoughts on it. Is is a video dropping as well? We were just discussing that. Like, do we, yeah. What's the role of the video in 2023? And that's a, that's a hour long podcast conversation, but. Excellent. (laughs) All right. Let's do that. (laughs) We won't keep you that long. I promise. Next, next time you got to come on and we'll do it again. It's a good discussion though. I, I don't know the answer, but so it's like, do we spend our money there or not? I don't know, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll do something for sure. Awesome. Well, I mean, I know we're we're super stoked to come see you guys with Finger Eleven. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great show, Kurt. It's been amazing. Uh, we've had a great time uh, chatting with you, and I know that uh, you know we wish you nothing but the best 
uh, with one bad son and and this whole tour and and certainly we are eagerly anticipating the new music. Well, thank you guys. It means a lot. And yeah, great conversation, great questions today, guys. And yeah, I look forward to uh, hanging in person. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kurt. And uh, like I said, nothing but the best. But uh, we will talk to you again. Hey, Salter, guys. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Bye for now. Sure.